Act three, Bunny! Act three! Yes, Bunny, my friend. It is time yet again for the third and final act of the Pope on Film podcast. And it is said third act, wherein we finally, ineventually, get around to discussing our all-new, same great taste, but now half the sugar, movie of the week! And this week we are doing a super rare part two, and we will be trying to figure out how one of the most successful plays of all time became one of the biggest flops of all time, with the second half of a astonishing look at the astoundingly awful 2019 musical, Motherfucking Cats! I I so, I I think that you're you're on to something and it has really started to fascinate me. Um I, I I'm just gonna paraphrase this isn't quite what you said, but it was definitely the idea that it, it seems like it's not so much that cats is a bad movie as much as it is cats was a bad fucking play. Yeah. Yeah. And that has begun to fascinate me. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, we'll be expounding on that, but just right off the bat, before we even get into the discussion of the the behind-the-scenes aspect of this film, Bunny, I'm assuming that since last week, when we first did Cats, that between the recording of the last episode and this episode, that you have seen the film at least nine times, and that now you see, as I see, that Cats <laughs> is the greatest movie of all time. So tell me, Bunny, how much are you in love with this movie now? Well, for one, there's definitely surging. Surging Sur- is it happening. It is surging. It is surging. Yes. Um, there's a lot of surging, surging happening. Uh... A little bit of pulsating here and there. Okay. You know. Uh, uh, I, well, I, 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 I still hate this movie, but I really want to, to really, like, lock down exactly everything I'm hating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I've nailed it this week. I think I've really nailed it. And I'm happy about that. So, buddy, the big question here is how did one of the most successful musicals ever become one of the worst movies ever? Also, equally as important, is there a band yet called Digital Fur Technology? (laughs) And if if there's not, then I... Yeah, if there's not, I call it. Yes. And while we're on while we're on band ideas, I've got an idea for a band. We're gonna call ourselves Rumple Teaser, and we're going to be a Mungo Jerry tribute band. Oh I like that. Now let me just let me just go ahead right now and say we will only be playing the song in the summertime and no other song. 
Yes. Because it's not because when it comes to a Mungo Jerry tribute band, it's not really about the music. It's more about the sidebirds. So that's what people really want to see. Not us do Mungo Jerry songs. We'll do the one. But it's really just a way to showcase the Mungo Jerry sideburns. Yes, it is. Yeah. With that, okay, I... so let's start. So we're going to nail this down. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. T.S. Eliot. Yes. His real name is, of course, Transsexual Eliot. Technical Sergeant. Yeah. And a uh, fun fact, T.S. Eliot is an American, or was an American. Um, uh, he Motherfucker was born in St. Louis, <laughs> and he moved to England at age 25 and eventually became a British citizen, and later a beloved British poet. But bullshit, he's fucking American. That surprised me. Yeah. That one of... Uh, uh, England's most beloved uh, poets. It's like learning that King Arthur, fun fact, he was born in Tucson. Yes. That's a fact that people don't know. It's like, what? <laughs> oh, oh. So, uh, T.S. Eliot, famous poet, won a Nobel Prize, big deal. Uh, British people love him. So in 1939, he writes a book of poetry entitled Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Apparently, Ezra Pound, the famous something or other, gave T.S. Eliot the nickname Old Possum. That's what Ezra Pound used to call T.S. Eliot. So he released this book, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. This became a famous book of poetry, beloved by many a British person. And it has been republished over and over again throughout uh, time. At the bookstore, we used to carry the 80s reprint that featured illustrations from Edward Gorey, who created the comic strip that the Addams Family was based on. Okay. And Vampira. And Elvira. But anywho, that's the one that we carried of Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Apparently, the book is so famous that a number of musicians throughout the decades have adapted the poems into music. In fact, in 1954, a composer named Alan Rothorn put six of the poems to song and released them as an album called Practical Cats. So FYI, Andy Weber's musical isn't even all that original. Okay, yeah, true. He's not the so he's not the first person to look at T.S. Eliot's book of cats and say, "I am gonna set these some music." A bunch of people have over the years. Yeah, it's just that uh, Andy Weber's the most successful one. So, uh, Andy Weber, it's the seventies, the late seventies. Andy Weber is entering his 30s, and one of his favorite childhood books was T.S. Eliot's book of cat poems. At this point in his life, Andy Weber, he's a pretty successful dude. 
yeah. he he has at this point in his life written the musical Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, which was a hit, despite the fact that it's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, he also wrote Jesus Christ Superstar, which is which is good, a very seven, like very seventies, almost two seventies, but good. And uh, the musical Jeeves, which bombed, and Evita, which we have discussed before on the podcast over on Chap, so you can listen to our uh, take of Andy Weber and Jeeves and yes. the life of Eva Peron over on Chap. So, Andy wants to stay fresh. He's not writing any musicals at the, at the moment, but he wants to stay fresh. He wants to flex his musical muscles, I guess. So what he does at a, at, at a what he regularly does as a songwriting exercise is he will get predetermined lyrics that someone else has written, and then he sees if he can compose a song around that. Okay. And apparently this is a this is a a, a musical exercise for him. Like, oh look, here are lyrics to some poem by some dude. Let me see if I can write a song around it. So. Uh, this is what he's doing. He is uh, getting poems from numerous places, including his childhood favorite book, uh, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats, and turning them into songs. And eventually he gets an idea, and his idea originally is a song cycle. Okay. To be broadcast on the on BBC television, just like his previous song cycle, Tell Me on a Sunday, which is a song that I actually love. I love the song Tell Me on the Sunday. It's a really sweet song. And it's basically, look, if you're going to break up with me, do it right. Take me to, a, to the zoo. Take me to the park. It's got to be on a Sunday. Get me some ice cream. Then you can break up with me. Yes. Okay? But at least, you know, make it nice. Take me to lunch. Fucking come on. So from that idea, the idea of a cat's song cycle grows and grows and grows until it becomes a monstrosity. The musical Cats was, was the first mega musical, which is an actual uh, a term that is used to describe musicals that are more akin to a big-budget Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah. In, when you go see the musical Phantom of the Opera, the big-ass fucking chandelier does fall on top of the audience and swings and collides into the stage in a beautiful... In Miss Saigon, they get a full-sized actual helicopter to fly around the stage. <laughs> For yeah. shit's sake. It's crazy. So, so this is the idea. Big sets. Big special effects, big set pieces. Also, a lot of them being family friendly, so we can get tourists in. Like, like, like this is more than a musical. This is an event, and this is something you have to see. And Cats was the first one, and these crazy ass costumes, and this big, massive set that would rotate, and special effects, and and uh, family friendly to reel in the tourists, and more glitz and glamour and spectacle than other things that might need to be in a musical, like catchy songs or uh, characters and plot. Yes. Style over substance. 
uh, Wicked, Miss Saigon, The Lion King, Phantom of the Opera, etc. Cats started it all. It was the longest running musical until it was beaten by Phantom of the Opera. So it's a successful Broadway musical. It's not original, as we have already discussed with the album Practical Cats. Yes. Uh, it's not entirely great. But a big portion of the success of the musical Cats lies in the spectacle of seeing it live. You are in front of the actual stage and the actual actors. The stage is something you can see and touch, and it rotates, and there's special effects, and a huge rotating set, and then the, the, the cat ascends to the heavy side layer. And so when you make when you get this big, massive set piece spectacle, and turn it into a movie, you lose a big chunk of what makes the musical successful. There is no spectacle. The movie shows you that it's that how important it is to see Cats live. Because without the live aspect, without the special effects, then you have to pay attention to the plot and the acting and the music, all of which suck. Yes. So therein lies the problem with turning uh, uh, Cats into a musical. Cats, you have to see live. That's the only way that it can be seen as good, is by being blown away by the um, uh, amazing spectacle of seeing this on a stage. So, Bunny. Yes. This brings me to my question of the week. Okay. And the question is, how could you make a good Cats movie? <sighs> My idea, which I think I would, is a really good idea. I, think, I, I would really think that you would have to go animated or go CG, you know, CG or something like that. Yeah. Originally, this was supposed to be an animated movie until uh, the director, who already has a Best Director Award. The guy who directed this also directed uh, the uh, movie version of Les Mis. Yeah. So, dude already has a... The guy who made Cats has a Best Director uh, Academy Award, which is kind of... Said, but he was the one who pressed this has to be live action this absolutely has to be live action we cannot do an animated movie it has to be done live the theater and that i think is the the worst mistake uh that they made because if it was animated and it was animated well then i think that maybe this film could be a success question bunny Yes. What if instead of the digital fur technology, they had the weird ass outfits that they just wear in the musical on stage? I think that, that would be preferable. Not... Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think the look of the cats is such a fucking distraction from this movie. Okay. So, so like you, you would keep the sets because the sets. Uh, despite the fact that the aspect ratio is really all over the place, yeah. the sets still are sort of impressive. So you keep the sets, but you lose the digital fur technology. They're wearing the outfits from the musical. Yeah, you would and, say and that's a more preferable yeah. experience. Yeah. Huh. And then I think I think there's yeah, I think definitely room work. there's definitely room to work on the plot and some of the characters. 
Like you got, yeah. I don't know what his name is, and I, I should, and because I don't, we should get rid of this fucking character. You have the one cat who's like, kind of the leader. Uh, it, the gray one. It, you'd never guess what his name is. Um. You would never guess what his name is. No, I can't think. I I can't think of what his name is. What's his name? Is it, it, it's it, it's not mentioned in the musical, as far as I can tell. There are some names like that. Taylor Swift's cat is named Bomba Lorena. Yeah, and it's like what? What the fuck? But that guy, the guy who's like the unofficial leader, and he's singing in the naming of cats and all that. Yeah, his name is Monkey Strap. Monk you strap. Monk you strap. Okay, who the fuck names their cats that? A guy who was born in fucking St. Louis and ends up becoming a famous British poet is who. I mean, names I, their cat Monk you strap. I, I I can accept some of the weird cat names. Okay. Yeah. Every now and then you're going to get a Mungo Jerry. Okay. Yeah. But all of them, I mean, where's Spot? Where's Socks? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Cat names. Fun fact, every cat has at least 27 names. Yes. I learned that from the best. I learned that from Peter Ustinov, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, fun fact, uh, you cannot blame, there are a lot of people you can blame for being in this movie. You can go, Idris Elba, where the fuck were you in this movie? Yeah. Ian McKellen, Idris Elba, I'm sorry, Idris Elba, okay, he did fine with Thor, okay? Can't really blame anybody from being in any Marvel movie, however you have to do it, okay? So, I'm fine yeah. with Thor, but bitch, you also did the <clears throat> gunslinger. Okay? Oh, Jesus. I really I think it's time. Mind. Yeah. I really think it's time you start having a serious discussion with your representation people. Yeah. You know? You 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 yeah. need to be fucking up your agent, okay? This is yeah. not looking good for you. You know? But you, but the whole plot itself is convoluted, and okay, okay. So, so you you and you do this every year. You okay? Have you have you considered the cats' midsummer connections here? Okay. Yeah. Every year. They have a contest in which they then basically sacrifice their most talented. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically that's basically what it is. Yeah. We just have to kind of have faith that, well, they reincarnate or do whatever these cats are supposed to do. But that's the whole point to this. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have to get a new chandelier every year? 
Or does that thing come I, back? That I don't know. And nobody notices this? Just yeah, cats? Nobody. Nobody, nobody's looked up and said, walking down the streets of Manhattan, just ever looked up and said, like, why is there a fucking floating chandelier there? I think other people yeah, would pick up on this. That yeah. So that's a problem. I mean, the whole premise <laughs> is really kind of problematic. Well, let me I tell you. I would let the bad guy go. You good, cannot good blame guy. Judy Dench. You cannot blame Judy Dench for being in this movie. You feel free to attack Rebel Wilson and James Corden and uh, Jennifer Hudson and everybody else that's in this movie. But sadly, you you kind of have to be okay with Judy Dench being in this movie. Why? Because apparently when she was younger, she got a major... She was going to star in the London premiere of the musical Cats, but she tore like some muscle in her leg right before uh, the premiere. And so she had to be fired from the play and someone else took her spot. Okay. So, so it's like, it's like, oh, I, 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 I hate that you're in this movie. Oh, and you, yeah, why'd you make this movie? It's horrible. And Judy Dench, well, at least you're getting your shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I guess I, I guess. It's I like when I heard that, point. I went like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, here it is. Here it is. Dench was cast in the original stage musical, but was forced to pull out due to a torn Achilles tendon. Ooh. So a, her character of old Deuteronomy is always played by a man. But Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh, the director specifically said, what if we make this character a woman and offer her the role? And she said yes. And only because it's like, God damn it. You know, here I am this old and I'm finally getting a chance to do this musical again. Yeah. What fucking ringtone was that? <laughs> fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory just broke out in your fucking house. It was a version of the Rolling Stones, You're Out of Time, actually. Oh, okay. I was wondering. It, it sounded all like, sounded all like uh, circus-y. Uh, okay. I'm dedicating it to all the Republican congressmen. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so that's all I've got for cats. And uh, because well, I care well, about you, Bunny, because well, I care about you, and your health, I think that 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 it is safe to uh, end it here, to end cats here. Just just one other observation here before okay. we go. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mister Mistopheles. Okay. The marvelous Mister yeah. Mistopheles. Okay. I love that. I love the song Marvelous Mr. Mistopheles, and I love the song uh, The Skimble Shanks, The Railway Cat. Those are the only two songs that I really, really dig in the musical. Everything else is shit. But I don't like this version of Magical Mr. Mistopheles because it, the, it, the, the Broadway cast version of that song, Magical Mr. Mistopheles, he's singing it 
confidently, like a cocky son of a bitch. Like yeah. he knows he's magic already, and he's gonna show your ass the shit he can do. I like I acting wise, I like the version in this movie, but as a song that I would listen to, I love the original Broadway version. Yeah. I I have a problem considering him magnificent when literally the whole community has to come out and lick his invisible asshole for him to be able to fucking do bring Deuteronomy back. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, I mean, that, that was some serious, hardcore, ego-stroking, yeah. the whole fucking song. <laughs> <sighs> yeah yeah but i i really i really like the the uh the original version of it just wanna uh that, that i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to see i was listening to the cast album from the 1988 yeah. cast which i don't know i didn't look it up but i'm gonna imagine that that was cats at its peak you know yeah probably uh, and I was like, cause I was, cause, uh, cause after having watched this movie, well, three times now, uh, I was like, like, I can't believe this is a fucking Broadway musical. This music fucking sucks. Yeah. And then I went and I listened to the cast album. I forget how far in I was up to Rump Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser. And I was like, Okay. This is worse. Yeah. This is worse. And that's okay. really what's uh, getting me about this whole thing is that that it that really it's not so much that the movie is so bad, is that the fucking play is so bad. And yeah. how did we live like this for like twenty years? Okay, I, I I sent you just now what I believe to be the my preferred version of that song, Magical Mr. Mistopheles, and I think that that's a banger. Yeah. 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 I don't like any of the other versions of Magical Mr. Mistopheles, but I like the way that I, I like the way it's acted in the movie. But like, no, the song is shit the way they do it. In the I just feel like there's some kind of Mandela effect at play here. You know, uh, it, it is it is strange that the most successful musical of all time is one of the worst movies of all time. Yeah. Like. Like that means that one of you is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's what it means, right? That's, that's what that means. Yeah. Yeah. If well, they're anyway. both based on the exact same thing, like which one of you failed? Yeah, that, that again. That whole leader character, because I don't think I finished that thought. Really, you could just completely just x him out of the whole thing. I mean, he doesn't have much to say that you could not give to another character or two. Yeah, and, and have he, them and develop a little like, more. And, and he is sort of like the leader of the cats, but but and, and gets a lot of screen time. But then also, why didn't you tell us his name? 
then? If he's gotten so much screen time and all that, how come I have to look on Wikipedia to see what the character's goddamn name is? Uh-huh. Goddamn Jenny Any Dots. Jenny Any Dots, just to be clear about the naming of cats. Uh, Rebel Wilson's character, the Gumby Cat, Jenny Any Dots. That's all one word. Yes. Jenny Any Dots is her first name. Yes. That's disturbing to me. Yes, it is. Not as disturbing as it was her eating humanoid cockroaches. Yeah. I really would have liked to have been in the room where they watched that, where the studio heads watched that. Yeah. And it's like, how can you watch that number? How can you watch that scene and still go, this will be our prestige film for 2019. <laughs> like, how do you do that? I'm so confused. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. So that's all I've got for cats. I'm comfortable with ending it here. I was yeah. going to go for a, a, a third week of just doing cats, but I think two episodes is enough. This is an important film in American cinema, and everyone needs to watch it. Uh, possibly while high. Yes. Yeah. So next week, uh, it's March. My birthday's coming up. I just want to do movies that I like. And okay. So that's why we did. That's why we did two weeks of cats. And for our next uh movie next week, I can't believe we didn't do this already and i'm i am shocked that we didn't have not done this up until now but god damn it we're doing scott pilgrim versus the world all right thank god i I, after two weeks of cats i I think that's exactly what i need let's get into and finally do scott pilgrim yeah after two weeks of cats we gotta do something good so next week we're doing scott pilgrim versus the world uh yes eleanor You want to go to the movies around my birthday? Yeah. Sure. We can go see this movie. Uh, it's about a toy. It's called Brahms the Boy 2. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Oh, you haven't watched that movie. Yeah. What other movies can we go see? Uh, uh, how about we just stay at home and watch a movie? Hey, there's a kid's movie that I would love to watch with you. It's called Midsommar. It's about these friends and they go on a trip and they meet a bear. Doesn't that sound like a good movie? Or how about this? The Texas Chainsaw Hug. (laughs) Doesn't that sound cool? It's a kid's movie about a chainsaw that just wants to hug people through the chest. I want to go on the movie theater. You really want to go to the movies on my birthday? Yeah. Well, it's nice that you're invited. Oh, so yeah, it's a very sweet, family-friendly movie called The Invisible Man. I think you'd like that too. I'm sure that there's a movie we can go and see together. Tell me, what's what are your thoughts on Dragon Butt stuff? Has she seen The Big Lebowski yet? 
Eleanor has not seen the Big Lebowski yet. No. Yeah, then Jesus' roles wouldn't make a connection. Yeah. Okay. Yes, Eleanor. I will go on the movies at the distance, and I want you to go on the movies on your birthday. But I want to tell you what movie you can watch at the. Bo- Get your clothes, uh, but put it by the couch. Um, hey, what movie do you want? Do do I have to go see on my birthday? You and me. Y- yes, you and me. What movie do we have to go see? Uh, Piggy. It's called. It's called Piggy. Piggy? Yeah. Is it about is it about police brutality in America? Yes. Does it take a take place on an island where you're stranded with a bunch of other British boys? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it's about. It's about the Manson murders. (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor's getting deep. Yeah. So, so next week is going to be a good episode of the podcast, but now that I'm looking back at this episode, the highs and the lows, uh, Brahms, the boy too. Uh, binge watching Stranger Things, Greater Idaho, Bloodsport. I gotta say, uh, I think this has been a pretty good episode. I think this has been a damn good episode. Okay, good. I, 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 I feel the same way about this episode, but I wanted to make sure that you make that call because you're the one. But yes, I, I, I concur with your assessment. Good, sir. <laughs> So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. And I am Reverend Steve. And on behalf of Maxwell, Eleanor, Bella, Amber, Natasha, and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening. And we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And you Mewtwo's? Is that what you said, Maxwell? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm aware of who Mewtwo is. Yeah. Do 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 do